Hello everyone and welcome back today. My name is Talon and I know we got a lot of people jumping on today, a lot of new people jumping on today and uh, I'm very thankful to see you. I'm very glad people are joining me. We got a new series this week. This week we're going to be talking about the four pillars, the essential four pillars of your Christian faith. There's four legs more or less that your Christian walk must rest upon. If you only have three legs on a chair, the chair will not hold you up. If you've only got two legs, it will not hold you up. And if you've only got one leg on a chair, it will not hold you up. There must be all four legs on a chair in order to keep you stable. And it's the same way with your Christian walk. There's four key pillars to you being a Christian that will make sure that you have success in life. And as you're jumping on, I'm going to say hello to Ariel, to Nail, good to see you, John Stafford, my good friend, my new friend, Ryan Starks. And as you're jumping on on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram, why don't you type in the comments where you're watching from? I love to see where you're at in the world. If you've been paying attention on YouTube, we are seeing significant growth, significant increase in the ministry. It's all thanks to God. He's been very good to us and he's blessing the ministry. But we went from 7,000 subscribers on YouTube to over 40,000 just this week. And I believe that by next week, we're going to hit 100,000 on YouTube. And my goal is to hit a million on YouTube by September. And you can help me with that. So as you're jumping on on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram, give this video a thumbs up and share it with somebody because it means a lot. And we're helping to get the word out. When you share these live streams with people, it really does wonders in people's lives. I get testimonies almost every single day from somebody saying, man, I watched your video and I gave my life to Jesus or I watched your video and I got set free from addiction. I got set free from demonic oppression in my life. So these live streams are really helping to change people's lives. So go ahead, share this out, give it a thumbs up and let me know in the comments where you're watching from. Hey, Colton, good to see you. Ronnie Walls, good to see you. Perriette in Boston, Massachusetts. Is that how you say your name or is it Perrier? Like the water. <laughs> Ronnie Wells says, Biblical scriptures on four pillars. Where is that written? Well, I'll show you where it's written. These are four key pillars that will help you to be successful in your Christian walk as you learn to understand them. And obviously, as people are jumping on on YouTube, because of the significant growth, you're going to get religious demons that are in the comments saying funny stuff. Don't worry. Steven will be in the studio with me shortly, and uh, he'll be able to block demons as they come into the comments section. So you'll just laugh at them with me. Hello, Amber. Hello, Megan. Good to see you. John said he got his books last week. Good, John. I'm glad. Sorry it took so long, but I'm glad that you got the books. Well, let's get right into it. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to get into pillar number 1. I'll give you the four pillars ahead of time. These are four biblical pillars that I've rested my faith on. Obviously, Jesus is the rock. He's the cornerstone. This isn't to take away from that. Jesus is the foundation. He is the word. But these are four pillars that will allow your faith in Jesus to multiply abundantly. So that it's not just you that it affects, but that you have a life that carries the power of God by his Holy Spirit that affects other people. You know, Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Preaching the gospel all over the world. First Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. So your job as a Christian is actually to carry the power of the gospel to your generation. Somebody type in the comments, I will carry the gospel to my generation. Our job as Christians is to carry the power of God to this generation. The same power that was in the event of Jesus dying on the cross, setting us free from the power of sin and making our account right with God 
is the same power that is in the message of the gospel. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I will not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God saving all who will believe. Good morning, Emily. So when you preach the gospel, the same power that was in the event when Jesus died on the cross is the same power that's in the message. So what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross, as I preach it to you right now, through a screen even, it carries the same power that it had 2,000 years ago. Here are the four pillars of the Christian faith. Number one, knowing Jesus as your Savior. Good morning, Gardner. Long time, long time no see, brother. I hope I see you soon. Number one, Jesus the Savior. You could put Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Redeemer. The first pillar of your Christian faith is knowing Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. The second pillar is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can write these down. We're not going to get into all four today. We're going to cover these four throughout the week. We're just going to cover pillar number one today. But the second pillar is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples to go wait in the upper room until power came on them from on high. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what gives you power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Wherever you're at right now, I want you to say power. Power. The Christian faith is a faith of power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The third pillar is Jesus the healer. So Jesus the Savior, Jesus the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Number three, Jesus the healer. And number four, Jesus the soon coming king. The soon coming king. Jesus is coming back again. Why do I make these videos? Why do I preach the gospel? Why do I have a sense of urgency when I do these live streams? Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus didn't die, go into the lowest parts of the earth, and then rise again and say, all right, I'm going to be in heaven. See you guys in a couple thousand years. Uh, when you die, you'll come. No, he said, I'm coming back for my bride. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus said. And the last scripture in the book of Revelation says, Come, Lord Jesus. The bride, the church of Christ, cries out to the Lord, Come, Lord Jesus, come rapture your church, and come make a new heaven and a new earth. So Jesus, your Savior, Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the healer, and in that healing is deliverance as well. So you lay hands on the sick and they recover. You cast out devils. And then Jesus, the soon coming king. Praise the Lord. So here's number one, our first pillar of being a Christian. Jesus, your savior. You must know your identity in Christ. When you know who you are now, that Jesus came and died for you and made you born again by you putting your faith in him, it actually changes your identity. You're not the same person that you were. You're a new creation. Listen here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man, I want you to highlight that in your Bible, underline it. If any man is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. You can stay in here. Are you leaving? All right, well, why don't you help me out real quick? See if you can get the chat on the screen. I don't know why it's not on the screen. Sorry, Stephen just came in. We got someone in the studio with me. Number one, you are a new creation. I think if you go into Restream, then it's on the other screen there. See, so you'll have to go over there. There should be a setting to have it live chat. I don't know why. Click the button that looks like an eye for the chat. So go on OBS. We did click that, Cade, but for some reason, it is not popping up. 
So number one, you're a new creation in Christ. Listen to this. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. All things have become new. Somebody type in the comments, I'm not the same person that I was. I'm not the same person that I was. For example, me, I grew up an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I got lost in the world for a couple of years. And while I was in the world, my life sucked. But Jesus said, come to me, those that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, he lifted the heavy burden off of my shoulders that is life. And he anointed me with his power, his Holy Spirit, to make this life easy. He said, I've come to give life abundantly, more abundantly. Though the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. So I'm not the same person I was. I, didn't str- I don't struggle to go to work. I don't struggle to wake up in the morning. Living life treacherous Monday through Friday, just waiting for Friday evening so I can kick back and watch Netflix and hang out with my significant other and then just dread having to wake up on Monday morning again. I don't live that way anymore. I live every day like heaven on earth. When you're in Christ, you can live every day as if heaven has come into the earth. That's what Jesus said. Pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can live heaven on earth, but you have to know that you've been made a new creation, that you're not the same person that you were. When you understand that in the very deepest part of you, you're a spirit man, when you know it's been born again, it's got new roots, it's not the same person that it was. Your state of knowing that you're a new species in Christ actually makes you healthy throughout your soul, being your mind, your will, and your emotions, and even your flesh. Oh, there it was. It was popping up for a second. Oh, there it is. Praise the Lord. We got it working. Glory to God. Go down to um, the ways to give as well. It's on. Nope, it's on the same thing. No, 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 no. Yep. So they're normally, they go across the screen. Whatever you did for the chat, do it for that as well. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Oh, no, there it is. It's working. All right, cool. Praise God. All right, we're all set. Now you guys can see your comments on the screen. (laughs) Praise God. So you're not the same person that you were. Yes, Amber, morning prayers will still be Stephen Kate. Don't worry. I know you get sick of me sometimes. I'm not the same person that I was. I'm not who I was. I'm not who I were. I am who I is. Hallelujah. (laughs) So you're not the same person that you were. You're a new creation in Christ. Now listen to this. Go to verse 21. The Bible says in the book of Romans that before Christ, all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. If you'll talk to like Calvinists and religious people, it's almost the only Bible verse they know. None is good, not even one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. Yes, we have. But your identity changed when Jesus came into the earth and he died for you. I said this one time to a, to a religious person that grew up in the church. I said, do you realize the way that you live is as if what Jesus did made no difference in the earth? You think about it. Listen to how most, most religious people talk. They talk as if what Jesus did on the cross didn't do anything. They're like, man. We were, Adam sinned and he fell short of the glory of God. It caused all mankind to sin. And then Jesus came into the earth. But if you put your faith in Jesus, you will be saved. But they don't, they pretend as if like what Jesus did had no change in the earth after he died and rose again. It did. It changed everything. I want you to type in the comments. When Jesus died and rose again, it changed everything. It changed everything. 
on earth and in heaven. It brought you into right relationship with God. It made you a friend of God again. When God made mankind, he didn't intend for them to fall into sin and for mankind to separate themselves from God. God's intention was for us to thrive in this life and to have relationship like Adam and Eve had. To walk with God in the cool of the day. So yes, when man sinned, it separated us from God. And it brought two forms of a curse into the earth. I want you to write this down. When man sinned, it brought a curse into the earth from their sin. But the manifestation of that curse manifested in two ways. Sickness and poverty. The Bible says that sin ultimately leadeth unto death. So sin ultimately leads man into death through sickness and through disease and the consequences of sin. But it also leads mankind into poverty. So the curse of sin brought sickness, disease, death, and poverty into the earth. So when Jesus died and he rose again, it says in Galatians 3, he took the curse of sickness, of poverty, of disease upon himself on the cross and took it off of us. So sickness, disease, poverty has no place in me anymore. There's no generational curse. There's no curse from sin. There's no curse that's allowed to be in me or on me ever again. I've been set free from the curse of the law of sin and death. Now, it's the spirit of life that lives in me. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. So somebody type in the comments, Jesus took my sin nature. Jesus took my sin nature. And while you're typing that, I'm going to take a sip of my matcha. Praise the Lord. Jesus took my sin nature. So me being an old rotten sinner, when I gave my life to Jesus, he took that old rotten sin away from me. <laughs> I know, Sabrine, it's, it's great. This is a matcha velvet ice. So it's a blended matcha. Highly recommend. So the old nature that used to make me want to lust, that used to make me want to do drugs, that used to make me want to go into the party scene, to do all these things that would be against God, Jesus took that nature out of me. Now, my mind still has to be renewed by the word of God, and I'll get into that. But Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. And it says, God made him who knew no sin. Jesus did not sin. So he was the only perfect sacrifice. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. So that what? So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Highlight that in your Bible. So Jesus, perfectly healthy, perfectly whole. He had no sin in him at all. Us, sick, diseased, we have poverty, sin in our lives. It says Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself and gave his righteousness, his right standing with God to us. This is very important. You have to know that you've been made right with God. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're no longer a dirty, rotten sinner. You've been saved by grace. Therefore, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You're in right standing with God. God is not mad at you. God is pleased with you. God loves you. God's favor and his blessing is being poured out on you. You've not only become a son of God, but you are now a friend of God. Meaning that what God has, he gives to you. You're his friend. Praise the Lord. As you're jumping on on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram, these are the four pillars of your Christian faith. 
I want you to give this video a thumbs up on YouTube and share it with a friend. We greatly appreciate it. And those of you that are jumping on, type in the comments where you're watching from. We love you. Now I want you to see this. It says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's right, Amber. People forget that he took your sin part. He took your sin nature out of you so that on the inside of you, the real you, your spirit man, doesn't want to sin anymore. Your mind might still have carnal thoughts that is leaning toward a sinful nature and your flesh still has desires, but in your spirit man, there's strength in you to push that out of you. God bless you in the UK and in Montreal. Deborah in Washington State. God bless you, Deborah. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So that word might means that we have to choose to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have to choose to receive his righteousness. Somebody type in the comments, I receive God's righteousness. I receive God's righteousness. Hello in Finland. I receive God's righteousness. I don't want to live in sin anymore. I'm not going to live in sin anymore. I don't live in sin anymore. I did. I used to. But when I got a hold of this and I realized that the key first pillar of my Christian walk. Hello, Kelly. Was that I've received the righteousness that is in Christ by giving my life to him. I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm a new creation. When I got a hold of that, man, whoo. When you know that God's not mad at you anymore, that he loves you and he wants to bless you, he wants to move you on higher, he wants to take all that weight that's in the world off of you, when you know that, you become unstoppable. Hello, Celia in Texas. God bless you. Hello, Alicia. Hello, Andy. Praise the Lord. Now look at this. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 2 with me. So we know that in Jesus, we've become a new person, a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. We're not the same person that we used to be. We've been born again. Totally new creature. Kelly asked a good question. She said, where does a person or how does a person get to a point where you feel like that? You have to understand it. You have to believe it and receive it that I'm made right with God. He's not mad at me anymore. Every day, wake up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. By the blood of Jesus, I've been forgiven. By my faith in Jesus, I'm a new creation. I've been born again. My old life has passed away. I'm a new person. I'm anointed by God. And as you begin to believe that and confess it with your mouth, your mind will be renewed and you'll live that way. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. So this piggybacks off of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 21. There is therefore no condemnation. So condemnation is like, you thinking God's mad at you. You live a life where you just feel like God is looking to beat you every time you do something wrong. That's condemnation. That actually stops the flow of God in your life. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Well, how do you know if you're in Christ Jesus? You've been born again. You've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you abide in his word. Jesus said, if you'll abide in me and I abide in you and my word is found in you, then you'll pray and ask whatever you need and it will be given to you and I will manifest myself to you. That's in John 15. So your faith in Jesus eliminates condemnation out of your life. You're no longer condemned. You're forgiven. You're free by the blood of the Lamb. You're blessed. In the name of the Lord Jesus. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Somebody type in the comments, I walk by the Spirit of God. I walk by the Spirit of God. I don't fulfill lustful desires. I don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. I walk by the Spirit of God. I don't party. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't mess around, have sex before marriage. I don't do all that stuff. I don't want all that stuff. I choose Jesus. I walk by the Spirit of God. Good morning, Nathan Gibbs. God bless you. We walk by the Spirit of God. We're free. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. You've been made free. Hello, Lee on YouTube. God bless you. Miriam on Instagram. God bless you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law that is found in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. If you hear some noise in the background, there's some people cleaning my yard. So <laughs> that's a weed whacker. <laughs> We're free. We're not stuck in sin. We're not stuck in bondage. We're not stuck in our old ways. We've been set free by the law of the spirit of life. What does that word law means? It means that it's already in motion. But laws must be abided by in order to receive the benefit of the law. So there's a law in Christ Jesus, a spiritual law called the law of the spirit of life. That's the Zoe life. It's the life of God that's in Christ. God's life in you that brings abundance into your life. It brings you peace. It brings you love. It brings you joy. It brings you steadfastness. A sound mind, power into your life. God's life in you has set you free from the law of sin and death. Praise the Lord. There's nothing better. Nothing better. So, number one, point number one, you're a new creation. When you give your life to Jesus, the old person that you used to be is not the same anymore. You've put your faith in Christ. Now he lives inside of you. And by you knowing I've been made right with God, I'm forgiven, that revelation of who you are in Jesus gives life to your life, gives the life of God to your life, the abundant life where you have peace and joy. Praise the Lord. So I want you to write this down. The law of the spirit of life has set me free. But it set you free from two things, sin and death. So anything that's tied to sin and anything that's tied to death, you're set free from. It's illegal for it to be in your life. Now, you must understand this because your authority that's given to you by Jesus is what gives you the power to push anything with sin and death out of your life. Sin brings sickness. It brings disease. It brings depression. It brings anxiety. It brings poverty. It brings death. But you're a new creation in Christ. Therefore, all of those things have been taken away from you. They're not allowed to be in your life. They come from the devil. It says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief or the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. So when you gave your life to Jesus, he gave you the authority over the devil to make sure that anything that has sin or death is eliminated from your life. But you have to rise up and take authority over it. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, 
verse 19. Somebody type that in the comments for me for people jumping on. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Look, I give you all authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. It's talking about demons. And over all the power of the enemy, being the devil. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Somebody type in the comments, the devil is under my feet. The devil is under my feet. Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the devil. And nothing that he does will ever harm you. Now, here's the difference. So, there's authority and then there's power. Authority is greater than power. I want you to write that down. Authority is greater than power. What do I mean? Let's say there's a traffic jam at a four-way stop. A police officer is not strong enough to hold a car back. If a car wants to go, it'll run a police officer right over. But because he has a badge and he's been given authority in the land, he has the authority to tell traffic to stop and to tell traffic to go. So authority is delegated power. I want you to write that down in your notebook. I've been given delegated power. Jesus gave you authority over the devil. Authority is greater than power. When the devil tries to show up in your life, you say, Nuh-uh, Jesus gave me authority over you, devil. You're under my feet. Nothing that you ever do can ever hurt me. You take that position in Christ. And you understand that nothing that the devil do, that, that the devil does is allowed to harm you. He's under your feet. And that's where he stays. Hallelujah. Jesus says, I've given you all authority over all the power of the devil. Authority is delegated power. Heaven has delegated power to you to kick the devil in the head every single day. Ha, ha, ha. I believe that there's people that are listening to me right now. That every plan that the devil had over your life, you're going to kick him in the teeth starting today. <laughs> He'll never touch you another day in your life. He'll try to show up in your life and you'll... You'll just clock him. You'll give him a good one. A nice black eye. Praise the Lord. All right, let's cover one more thing. And then I'm going to pray for people. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. This is part 1 of our new series this week. The Four Pillars of the Christian Faith. I'm very blessed that you're joining me this morning. We go live most, most weeks, Monday through Thursday at 11.30 a.m. And we also have 8.30 a.m. morning prayers on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I appreciate that you're joining me this morning. We got a lot of new people jumping on. We went from 7,000 YouTube subscribers to over 40,000 in just one week. God is blessing this ministry tremendously. He's taking us higher. We're moving up. We're reaching more people than we've ever reached before. And I'm thankful for it. So thank you for joining me this morning. I really love you guys. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting at verse 15. This is something you got to meditate on. Until it becomes a reality in your life. The book of Ephesians will change your life. It tells you who you are and what you have now that you're in Christ. Therefore, verse 15, Ephesians 1, 15, Therefore I also, after hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, mentioning you in my prayers, so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. So the eyes of our understanding must be enlightened to who we are in Christ now that we're born again. So you can pray every day, Father, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open my eyes to who I am and what I have 
now that I'm a Christian. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory. I want you to highlight that and underline it in your Bible. The riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints. When you understand who you are in Christ, there's riches that come with you being a Christian. Not just financially, but in every area of your life. There's riches in God's glory. And what is the surpassing, verse 19, greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he performed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I want you to write this down and type this in the comments. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. You have to know where Jesus is seated because that's where you're seated. Now that you're a Christian, the Bible says, I'll show you in a second, we've been seated with Jesus. The right hand of God represents his power and his authority. So what it's saying is Jesus was raised up and God sat him at his right hand, which is his power and his authority. God gave all power and all authority to Jesus. And Jesus said that he gave it to us. Far above all principalities, that's all demons, all power and all might and all dominion and every name that is named. So we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and we've been given power and authority over the devil, over sin, over sickness, over disease. Nothing in this world has more power and authority than we do. We've received that same power and authority that was given to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Man, that'll just put a pep in your step. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Type in the comments, all things are under my feet. All things are under my feet. You got to get this. You got to receive this. The Bible says we are in this world, but we are not of this world. This world has been put under our feet. We're here on purpose for God's will to build his kingdom and all the power of the devil even the power of the government, all power in this earth is under our feet. We have dominion and authority over this earth and everything on it. Praise the Lord. He put all things, verse 22, in subjection under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in all ways. So we are the church because we are the church. We are Jesus' body in the earth. So he has all power and all authority, but so do we because he's the head and we are the body. Does that make sense? I hope you're getting this today. And then listen to this, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. That's past tense. It means you were dead. You don't walk in those things anymore. You don't fulfill the desires you used to have. You're a new creation. In which you used to walk according to the age of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among them, we all also once lived in the lusts of our flesh. So Paul is saying, we used to live that way. But now we are in Christ and we've been given authority and power over sin, over death, over the devil, over demon power. We walk in authority. Doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness 
toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So we've been raised up with Jesus, and we sit in heavenly places, far above all demonic power, far above the devil, far above sin and sickness and principalities and power and might and dominion. We've been given power from heaven to reign as kings in this life. Life and life abundantly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And you get a spirit of faith with it. Somebody once said, when you start preaching like this, it puts so much faith in you, you feel like a tadpole could slap a whale. My pastor says you can swing out over hell on a corn stalk and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> what a good thing it is to serve the Lord. You're not the same person you used to be. You are one with Jesus Christ. And he's changed your life forever. Hallelujah. I'll read one more thing to you and then I'm going to pray for people. Hi, Becky. God bless you. Good to see you in the UK. I'm really thankful to God. We've seen some major increase. Major, major increase. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3. Somebody type Malachi chapter 3. And I'll leave you with this today and then I'll pray for you. One of the blessings that comes with serving God and being a born-again child of God is that our finances don't work, our money doesn't work the same way that other people's works. A lot of people don't like to talk about money. I do, because the Bible has a lot to say about money. You have to know what God says about money. The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and all the silver is His. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. So God is the one that created money. God's the one who created wealth. And He didn't create it for the devil to have it. He didn't create it for the children of the devil to have it. God created wealth for you to have it. God doesn't want you poor. God doesn't want you broke. God wants you blessed. Somebody type in the comments, God wants me blessed. God wants me blessed. My pastor says I'll never be broke another day in my life. You have to believe that and speak that. The reason I talk about this and I teach on this is because a lot of people, including myself, I used to go through this. A lot of people struggle financially. And they don't think that God wants to help them. But he does. God wants to take you out of poverty. I already covered. Jesus paid the price so that you don't have to be poor. He, what he did actually accomplished freedom from poverty for you. Poverty is a curse. Being poor is a curse. I've been poor and now I'm not. And I would choose where I'm at now way more than being poor. When you're poor, you can't feed yourself. You can't feed your family. You can't pay your bills. God does not want you to live that way. Jesus wants you to live an abundant life. God wants you blessed. And now I'm going to show you how to access the financial blessing of God in your life. It was only a couple years ago. Hi, Tristan. Good to see you on YouTube. It was only a couple of years ago that I could barely pay my rent. I could barely pay for just about anything. But it's not like that. Now I'm in a position where I can pay other people's rent. I used to have to rely on other people to help me. Now I can help other people. And it's only by the grace of God, but it's because of what I'm about to teach you right now. When you connect your finances to God, God pours out a blessing from heaven on your life. I've seen it, and I'll tell you some stories that'll really stir you up, and, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Listen to this. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6. This is talking about tithes and offering. The word tithe 
Hello, Luke. God bless you. Luke Arthur Alexander. Dude, you got three first names. That's impressive. A triple portion. <laughs> Praise God. The word tithe means 10%. And it was installed in the Old Testament when God said, I want you to bring your tithe or 10% of all of your finances as a sacrifice to me. God's the one that gives you money anyway. So when you bring your tithe to God, you remember that it's God that gives you the power to generate wealth, to establish his covenant with you on the earth. Your tithe keeps your money connected to God. When your money is connected to God, he can bless it. But when you keep all of your money and you don't give your money to God or to the advancement of his kingdom, he cannot bless it. The word tithe is 10%. Good to see you, Pierre. God bless you. Verse 6, for I am the Lord and I do not change. That's what God says. He doesn't change. So what he said here still applies to today. O sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. This I want you to get. I have a lot of conversations with people that say, I feel so distant from God. I feel like God left me. I, I don't know how to return to God. If you've been feeling like that, God tells you how to return to him. He says, if you'll return to me, I'll return to you. And then his people say, how do we return to you? Listen to this. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. So the tithe is 10%. Anything more than 10% is called an offering. An offering. So your tithe is 10% of all of your finances. God requires that. And then anything above that is called an offering. So he says, when you don't give tithes and you don't give offerings, you're actually robbing God. That's a scary thing. I don't know about you, but I do not want to rob God. <laughs> so when you don't give tithes and you don't give offerings, you're actually robbing God. But listen to this. He tells you how to solve this. In tithes and offerings, or you say, how have we robbed you? And God said, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, your whole nation, for you are robbing me. Now, I want you to understand this. In the Old Testament, there's no causative tense. Meaning that when it says you are cursed with a curse, it doesn't mean God is cursing you. We just don't have an English translation for it. What it actually means is that there's a curse that has come upon you. But it's not from God per se. It's just because you're out of covenant with God. When you do something that's different than what God's word says, it opens a door in your life for the devil to come in. But if you'll stay in God's word and you'll follow his ordinances, like he said here, he can bless you and no curse will come upon you. But because his people were not tithing and were not giving offerings, they weren't honoring God with their finances. It says a curse came on their finances. You are cursed with a curse, verse 9. Your whole nation, for you are robbing me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you so great that you won't have enough room to receive it. Hallelujah. So he says, why do the tithes and offerings have to come to his house? Why do they have to come to the church? He said, so that there might be food in my house. Well, who is the food for in his house? For ministers, for pastors, for preachers of the gospel. So what they were doing is they were actually robbing the ministers that God had put in place for him. They were robbing God by not giving finances to the church, to the synagogue. He said, bring it so that there's food in my house, so that the people in the church are supplied for. And then listen to what he says. If you do that, when you honor God with your money, he says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing for you so great that you don't have enough room to store it all. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground or the vine of your field. And you will not fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations of the earth will call you blessed financially. They're going to see, wow, 
that person used to be poor. Now they're rich. What happened? And you get to say, I started honoring God with my finances. I gave my tithes. I gave my offerings. And God took me out of poverty and gave me prosperity. God took me out of a curse and gave me a blessing. God lifted me up in life. I used to need people to pay my rent. Now I pay other people's rents. People used to give me stuff. Now I give people stuff. That's what God will do for you. That's what God did for me. The first time I ever tithed, I got a $1,000 check. And the guy that led me to the Lord, his name was Mike. He said, Talon, the Bible says that $100 of that $1,000 check goes to God. That's the tithe. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why does God, if God's so rich, why does he need 10% of my money? And he said, it's not because God needs it. He just needs to know that money doesn't have your heart. So when you give that 10% of that $1,000 to God, he actually promises to bless you more. And he read me those scriptures. So the first time that I ever got a $1,000 check from my job, I took $100 and I tithed it to the church. And when I tithed it to the church, like four days later, I got a $1,000 bonus at my job out of nowhere. Boom. I didn't even know I was about to get it. I just... God turned that $1,000 into $2,000 because I honored him with my finances. Praise the Lord. Wow, that's an amazing testimony, Becky. God bless you. And it works. So when I understood that the Bible says that when you honor the kingdom of God with your giving, God blesses your finances. When I started giving tithes and giving offerings... I went from being almost, I was poor. I was the definition of poor. I was living off like, I was barely surviving. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> when I started giving tithes and offerings, God blessed me. Moved me up. I was driving an old beaten down car. Now I drive a Cadillac. I was living in a basement that was like a dungeon under the ground. Now I live in a nice house. I just, ha I just paid some guy to like mow my lawn, you know? Praise the Lord. What God did for me, God will do for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, what a blessing. But he says, give tithes and give offerings. He'll open the windows of heaven on your life. He'll rebuke the devourer. He'll rebuke the devourer, meaning that the devil will not be allowed to touch your finances anymore. You ever, when, before I got saved, before I gave tithes and offerings, hi, Raphael. Before I give tithes and offerings, it seemed like my car always broke down. I never had enough to get new clothes. I never had enough money to pay my rent. It just seemed like everything went wrong. But when I started giving tithes and offerings, the devourer, the devil was rebuked. Now my car never breaks down. I never lack for money. I never lack ability. I never lack opportunity. Praise the Lord. And now I'm abundantly blessed. Somebody type in the comments, I'm abundantly blessed. Praise the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity to act on your faith. As you know, this ministry, we're currently feeding 1,200 kids every single day in other countries through an organization called Feed the Hungry. Every month, we're feeding 1,200 kids in other countries. And we have 11 other ministries that we give to each and every single month financially. So if you've been blessed by this ministry, if you've been blessed by this message today, and you want to see the blessing of God come on your finances, this is how you do it. I want to give you an opportunity to help us continue to advance the gospel. You can give these different ways. Through Cash App at Dollar Sign Revival Way. Through Venmo at Revival Way or PayPal at Revival Way. Or you can give on our website at RevivalWay.com and click Partner Financially today. And I want to thank you for giving. Hey, Church Milk, God bless you. We love you. Thank you for helping us to feed the hungry and to continue preaching the gospel all over the world. We appreciate it. I want to tell you a cool testimony. There's a girl, I don't know if Sabrina is still on here on Instagram. We've had a lot of testimonies like this, but I want to tell you this one. It's very powerful. 
She shot me a message on Instagram and she said, Talon, I'm believing for a raise at my job. And she said, I'm going to send your ministry a thousand dollars and I want you to join faith with me and believe that I get a bonus or a promotion. So she did. She sent a thousand dollars into the ministry. Thank you, AJ. God bless you. She sent a thousand dollars into the ministry and I prayed with her. And a few days later, she got a call from her boss and her boss said, Sabrine, we really love the work you've been doing. And we're going to give you a $10,000 raise. <laughs> and he said, that's just the beginning. We're going to continue to give you raises from here on out and just keep bumping up your pay because you do such a good job. So she sent that $1,000 into the ministry and we prayed together and God turned that $1,000 into $10,000. Now you might not be able to give $1,000. That's okay. Maybe you can only give 50 or 100. Start where you're at. And watch God bless your finances. Amen? Amen. He'll do it. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. Let me pray with you. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I join my faith with every person right now on the other side of this screen. Lord, whatever they're believing for financially, I call them blessed. According to your word, we stand together as we touch on this financial seed. According to their faith, let it be done unto them. Bring in a major harvest in Jesus' name. Angels, cause the word to work. Bring the money in and Satan, take your hands off of their money. You cannot devour them. The devourer is rebuked for our sake. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. And Amen. Thank you for giving, everybody. We love you, we love you, we love you. God bless you. Thank you for your giving. It means a lot. Every dollar makes a difference. And you're blessed. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to go watch the video on my YouTube channel right now that says, how do I know if I'm going to heaven? And listen to the message that I did for you. It's about 14 minutes. And I tell you what the Bible says about going to heaven. If you don't know if you're going to heaven when you die, go watch that video so that you can make sure and be blessed. Like and share this video as you're jumping on on YouTube. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. for morning prayer. Adios. Love you.